You're listening to Graveyard Show Classic. 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 Good evening, friends of the undead. I am the Deacon of Darkness, the posthumous pimp. Freak Show! And I am the Diva of Dismemberment, Mistress of the Blade, June the Meat Cleaver, from the Bordello of Horror. You're getting your freak on with the caretaker on the Graveyard Show. Step into the graveyard with the caretaker at graveyardshow.com. That is graveyardshow.com. Podcast number 45, November 12th, 2009. Hey, this is Dr. Jane Green, and when I'm working in the lab late at night, I always tune in to the Graveyard Show. To the graveyard. Enter the graveyard every Thursday night, midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. Filling in this week for the caretaker. And please welcome your host, The Undertaker. Tonight, the Graveyard Show travels to Nashville as I interview Larry Underwood, the man behind Creature Feature, and his character, Dr. Gang Green. The Graveyard Show podcast is a proud sponsor of the 2009 Viscera Film Festival. The festival was created by Fangoria's spooks model Shannon Lark and promotes and celebrates women filmmakers in the world of horror. Submissions are being accepted until the end of the year. For more information, visit ChainsawMafia.com Viscera or stay tuned to The Graveyard Show as we'll keep you updated on the festival as the year continues. Now, as you can hear in the background, the workers are breaking ground for tonight's guest, Larry Underwood. Tonight we welcome into the graveyard Larry Underwood, the man behind the position of fright and the host of Creature Feature, Dr. Gang Green. Creature Feature has been named 11th Best Cable Access Show in the Country by Gear Magazine, and Dr. Gang Green has been named one of America's top horror hosts in Dark Realms Magazine issue number 21. Creature Feature can be seen in Nashville on CW58. Larry, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me here. How are you doing tonight? Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Had a good one and uh, kind of settling into the post-Halloween uh, you know, getting out of that post-Halloween funk now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you had a lot going on around Halloween. What, what'd you do? What'd you have planned? Uh, we did a few appearances around town, and then on Halloween night, we uh, were home with the trick-or-treaters. Wouldn't want to miss that for anything. <laughs> do you uh, do you go to the door as Dr. Gangrene? Uh, no, no, not not usually. Although one year, uh, my son, my one of my sons did dress up as Dr. Gangrene, <laughs> and that year I did also. So uh, I get to say that my son dressed as me for Halloween. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Let's talk about uh, Creature Feature for a little bit here. You started doing the show in July of 1999, but Correct. Creature Feature actually started in 1971 with a different host. What can you tell us about him? Well, his name was Sir Cecil Creep, and uh, he was played by a guy named Russ McCown. He was on from 70 to 73. 
he was a hunchback assistant, a hunchback, uh, <clears throat> almost an assistant. He was a hunchback with uh, some bad teeth, and he kind of spoke with a Transylvanian accent, but he was a southerner like me, so he's, uh, his uh, southern drawl came through, <laughs> which was actually kind of funny. Uh, he later moved the show to TNN uh, and became the Phantom of the Opry and was actually on nationally on that, which, of course, that later became Spike TV. He's, he's uh, still well-remembered. Uh, a lot of people, if I go around town and mention for Cecil Creep, I always get a good, oh, yeah, I remember him. I, I think he's remembered all across the country. I was just talking to another horror host last night that uh, brought his name up. Yeah, yeah, he, he's one of those that I think more really because of the second show as far as nationally goes. But here locally, uh, the Phantom of the Opera show on WSM uh, before it became WSMB, uh, WSM TV. Yeah, I think it's well remembered locally. So the Phantom of the Opera ran from uh, 1983 to 1985 on TNN. But after 85, the horror host scene where you're at kind of laid dormant until 99 when you came out with your show, which was called Chiller Cinema. Uh, what made mm -hmm. you want to take on a show like this? Well, um, I, had a, I had met a guy here locally who had a cable access program. And I, he kept telling me about it, and I kind of asked a couple questions you know, out of curiosity. He kept telling me, you should try your hand at this. I think you'd be good at it. Um, and I sort of resisted at first, because it seemed like it would be a lot of work, and it was. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but eventually I thought, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try my hand at this. And um, my uh, creative partner at the time, a guy named Chuck Angel, got started the show with me. He thought, uh, well, you know, it'll probably last three or four weeks, and that'll be about the about the extent of it, but um, we jumped in feet first without really knowing what we were doing, and um, here we are, you know, almost 11 years later, still still going at it. The show ran as Chiller Cinema from 99 to 2004 as a half-hour show. Doing the half-hour show, what was the response from the community? I mean, was it well-received? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. It took about a year before people really noticed it. So we were on... Uh, really until about July 2000 and then people I started hearing from people yeah I've seen that show you know I started getting an email from people and, and response viewer response so uh, it sort of caught on and just snowballed from there um, I think making more live appearances and doing more stuff around town also helped with that but it just really picked up speed quickly at that point after after that one year mark it just um was amazing. The, re the reaction was great. So the half-hour show, Chiller Cinema, actually spawned a second show that ran 90 minutes called The Mad Movie of the Week. Uh, mm -hmm. What were the differences between those two shows? Well, the main difference was uh, was the length because Chiller Cinema, when I first started the show, it was a half-hour show. And mm -hmm. the reason I did a half-hour show was that they, they wouldn't give, couldn't give me uh, enough of a time slot. So rather than so I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to do this horror host thing, how can I pull it off with, with just a 30-minute spot? You know, rather than break the movies down into four parts, I thought, well, I'll just do a show that's about the movies rather than actually showing the movies. Mm -hmm. So we sort of would do a themed show each night, like a vampire theme or a, or a, a mummy theme, you know, and, and sort of center it all around that, all the skits and interviews and such. Um, whereas the Mad Movie of the Week, I was able to finally... Um, we got a new automated system at the cable access station. 
And when they did that, they were able to program it. So they gave me the midnight to AM slot. I was like, I was the last thing on Saturday night. Um, so I was able to actually show entire movies. So that was the main thing, was just the length of the of the uh, shows and also the content. Was it difficult trying to crank out two different shows? It, it was, just because I worked full-time, and between that, and, and I've got three kids as well, so I was, I was a little, I stretched myself a little thin, so I really couldn't do justice to both. We got the uh, Mad Movies of the Week, a big batch of them all at once. A friend of mine had, um, actually it was actually an old shirt um, that he got on a weekend, and we set up in there. We set, set all, all our stuff up and shot all of them in one day, and mm-hmm. then I just put them all together when we just run them all back to back and then replay them all and I don't you know um, never really got around to shooting that second or third fastest movie I kind of shot a couple extra ones um, but really never got around to doing any more because we just didn't have the time so uh, it was always kind of more of a low key thing the focus was always really on, on the Chiller Cinema show After Chiller Cinema how did how did the show evolve? After Chiller Cinema I took um, well we were on cable access, as I said. Mm-hmm. My idea was kind of always use that as a launching pad to sort of build a fan base and expand from there. So uh, once I felt like people knew the show well enough, I, I looked into getting it onto pay television. I actually uh, bought airtime and then went out and sold sponsorships to local businesses to pay for it and put the half-hour show on for a while. And then decided that I wanted to show uh, entire movies and was able to, let's see, we started on, actually we started on the WB just for a little brief amount of time um, at like three in the morning. And then <clears throat> I took, took the show back off and put it on UPN and we were out there for a while at various time slots. And then eventually the WB uh, gave us our two hour time slot. So, um, we uh, are no longer, you know, having to buy airtime now. They, they give it give us our spot, our spot. It's sort of like, you know, we kind of had to work our way up and earn it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Pay our dues. Well, you're fairly well known. I mean, you've gotten praise all across the country. Actually, yourself, as well as the show, has gained some pretty honorable praise. Uh, what are some of the awards that you've won for the show? Well, we've uh, a number. We've gotten a number of things. Um, we've had some, some mentions in some magazines, like Gear uh, Magazine. Uh, back when we were on Cable Access, uh, a list of their what they called their best, their top Cable Access shows, and they called it one of the top twenty, number eleven, I think, best heart, uh, Cable Access show in the country. And uh, we were nominated for a local Emmy and um, won a couple of Rondo awards, um, which were re- really very cool. Just recently, this past year, we were given uh, the governor, the governor of Tennessee, gave us a uh, governor's uh, merit award for uh, for uh, recognition of, of uh, service over the past decade. And they actually passed a proclamation. The city of Nashville actually passed a proclamation honoring us for our uh, PSA spot that we did. So. Uh, Dr. Dan Green's officially in the, in the law books of Tennessee. It's crazy as that sounds. <laughs> so years from now, somebody will be going through the law books and they'll see this Go Green with Dr. Dan Green resolution. <laughs> Pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, and, and there's actually a clip on YouTube. I'll take it up there because I couldn't hardly even believe it. Uh, but we actually went down to the city council and uh, accepted our uh, 
proclamation from the, the city council down there in Nashville. That's pretty awesome. They didn't give you a key to the graveyard, did they? <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's next year. <laughs> the skeleton key to the graveyard. <laughs> so, what are some of the uh, characters that help you out on the show? Uh, currently, I've got a nurse assistant named Nurse Moan Each. Uh, before her, we've had we've had a number of them. There was the original one was a guy named uh, Oosley, which at first was me because I thought it was kind of funny that I would play both parts and sort of walk off the screen as one character and come back on as the other. Uh, but then later I had another guy play it, um, play Usui just so I could get some interaction, you know, get wise. Uh, after Usui, we had um, Nurse Dead Body. Then we had uh, I got another hunchback assistant named Lump. <laughs> and there was a talking skull at one point named Barnaby Bones. I think that's pretty much it, though. So, you were actually syndicated on a couple different cable access stations across the United States, right? Uh, yeah, I would send my shows out and, and they would play them, yeah. Okay, how, how long did that last? Oh, that was a few years. Um, I started with a, a little station up in um, Massachusetts, Greenville, Massachusetts, Ben Greenville, Massachusetts, I would call it. Um, <laughs> and actually, he's still showing those, those states up that way. Um, but... I started there and then sort of just um, expanded out. I, I was just sort of, someone contacted me, you know, I had my information on the website. If they wanted copies of the show, I'd send it to them and they, they would air them. Before you knew it, I was on in a half dozen spots, you know, different cities, Atlanta and all these different cities. And then more started coming on board. So it just kind of got eventually to a, a place where I just had to kind of scale back because I was sending out so many VHS tapes at this time, you know, the things with VHS, and uh, it just got kind of expensive, and I just finally got to the point where I just had to kind of focus more on, on the local, you know, producing the show, putting on locally, and just stop mailing out stuff, because it was getting kind of crazy, you know, having to constantly run down to the, to the post office and mail off packages here and there, but it was cool, and it was neat to say, hey, I'm on in, you know, 10 different markets, it's kind of a nice ego boost, you know? Oh, definitely. So the whole horror host thing basically started with Vampira way back when. Do you feel that there's been a recent resurgence of horror hosts across the United States? Oh yeah, definitely. The um, cable access, advent of cable access television in the 80s, and then even more so the, the internet late, uh, lately has really you know, uh, kicked in interest of that. And, and um, that between, between that and public domain, material that people can host, you know, the movies that they can host, there's um, been a big resurgence in, in uh, horror host programming. Uh, where, do you, where do you see the uh, horror host community going in the next 10 years? Do you think it'll be more web-based, or do you think local and regional television stations are going to embrace the idea again? I think it'll be more web-based, definitely. The regional stations, unfortunately, can make more money selling that, that um that airtime to infomercials. And really, honestly, that's what they care about is, is making money. And I understand it's a business, but it's also a shame because there is a market. There are people that like watching this stuff, you know, that, that will love. So they may not watch the movie if you put it on by itself, but you put it on with a host, and they'll stick around just to see the host bit. I mean, it's, it's been proven. Exactly. But unfortunately, a lot of the stations won't get the chance. But the Internet is like the wild, wild west right now. There's no real rules out there, you know, and, and uh, it's all still, even at, at this late date, it's still kind of 
forming itself, you know, into what it will be eventually. So I definitely think that's where horror hosting will go. Uh, some of the older horror hosts were actually working with the uh, local stations, and they were able to buy up packages of movies, and you were talking about public domain movies. It only seems that there's a limited amount of horror genre stuff that's in the public domain. Do you think there's going to be more public domain films available in the future, or is it going to get uh, more slim? Well, there's going to be a little bit more public domain stuff as time does long more movies slip into the public domain. But more importantly, uh, or I guess what will happen more uh, frequently will be independent films. And I think that's what you'll see more mm-hmm. and more horror hosts doing is independent uh, filmmaking. Since it's so cheap and easy to shoot a movie now, um, you're getting more and more people that are getting better at it. And as more and more content becomes available, I think you'll, that's what you'll see the horror hosts turning towards. Well, I, I think that's a great idea because we're totally behind independent horror here at the uh, at the Graveyard Show. If it was to be web-based, the only problem I would see with that is, you know, the availability of everybody to download the independent films. And, of course, a lot of filmmakers would rather, you know, release their films on DVD to get them on television. That's that's great. Well, and, and the other thing about that is, um, <clears throat> again, with the Internet, it's sort of going beyond television because you kind of, you know, break that television way of thinking and think, okay, let's, let's think globally instead of regionally you know mm-hmm. so if a, a host for instance is is successful building up his franchise building his show up then he can have a fan base worldwide so what is the incentive for a local filmmaker or an independent filmmaker to let this horror host show his material well the the uh, benefit to it might be that this horror host might have thousands and thousands of viewers whereas if that producer were to put it up himself He's an unknown, and it might take you know years to build up. It's even a fraction of what the horror host already has built up. Like, for instance, Count Gordeval, the horror host out of Washington, does his show every week, and mm-hmm. he shows uh, fresh content weekly. Well, he's got viewers worldwide, so if Count Gore puts something up, he's naturally going to get a lot more eyeballs on it because they know to tune in every Saturday night. And now, a very special announcement from Dr. Gang Green. Now, hold on just one minute. It's almost 100 degrees out here, and you're a 3,000-year-old mummy. Here, put this on. Sunlight is a contributing factor to melanoma, one of the most deadly forms of skin cancer. So before you go out in the sunlight, be sure and put on sunscreen of SPF 15 or greater. Now, go get her, Ace. So unless you want to look like that guy, put on that sunscreen and go green with Dr. Game Green. When you were growing up, what were some of the television shows or movies that influenced you? When I was growing up, I was a big fan um, of a lot of the TV shows like um, Force of Monsters and Adam Family and Gilligan's mm-hmm. Island. Some of those, those things were probably my biggest influences. Um, in addition to those, there was a... Uh, television show called The Big Show that was on here in Tennessee. It was aired out of Nashville. Um, it showed monster movies, matinee, um, um, matinee monster movies on weekday afternoons. So I'd come home from school and run to the TV, flip it on, and there would be the black and white Universal movies. I know that's where I remember seeing all those Universals for the first time. So 
know, they would do a theme week like a week of Frankenstein or, or Wolfman week or Preacher from Black Lagoon week. That was great. <laughs> and then my other influences besides television, uh, just as importantly for staking me as a horror host, were uh, comic books, horror comic books uh, in particular, um, music, Alice Cooper in, uh, specifically. I became a huge Cooper fan. Once I discovered Alice Cooper, it was like, oh man, this is so cool. This guy's, you know, singing about horror. And I, I mean, I'd never seen anything like that. So. And he, he was bringing it to everyone across the, across the world, you know, live oh, yeah. on stage. That's yeah, Alice Cooper's great. Um, you're talking about comic books. You had a few underground comic books that you put out, right? I did. That was my creative endeavor right before I got into horror hosting. Uh, we ran our own comic book uh, company. We being Chuck Angel, the guy that I started Killer mm-hmm. uh, uh, Cinema with. We had a company called Out of the Cellar Comics, and we put out mostly horror comics. Um, and did okay at it. You know, we made enough money to, to break even and continue, continue putting out comic books, which for a, a uh, independent uh, comic book producer, you know, if you can you can get enough money out of it to, to keep yourself going, you're doing all right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess our big claim to fame was um, a book called Best Seller, uh, spelled with a C, Seller, um, that had the first appearance of the goon um, in it. The goon is... Uh, a comic book that's out right now by Eric Powell. I'm sure a lot of your viewers mm-hmm. probably know it. And the prototype to the goon was a character called Monster Boy, and Monster Boy's first appearance was in our comic book. That's very nice. Very nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So you've been a regular at Wonderfest in the past. Is this something that you're still involved with? Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I had to miss last year. I had My son graduated. My oldest son graduated last year, and the graduation... Well, it's Saturday night of the convention, so no, that was an easy choice to make. I just said, God, sorry, you know, can't make it. But um, but should be able to make it again this year. And, you know, every year we do a big live show where we host movies um, and have a big ballroom that's just packed with people. And Bob Burns from California, the our, the uh, collector and, and actor, is, is my, my, uh, my guest of honor every year. Mm-hmm. We've shown, uh, we've shown a number of movies. We showed The Tingler one year and uh, showed The She-Creature and one of Bob's movies, uh, one of his uh, episodes of the TV show, The Ghostbusters, which he starred on as Tracy the Gorilla. Um, we've shown a number of movies. It's, it's just a lot of fun, always a lot of fun. If our listeners aren't uh, familiar with Wonderfest, what, what is the convention all about? Wonderfest is primarily a model convention, mm-hmm. uh, as in model building, but it's really expanded beyond that over the last uh, five, six years especially. And it's gotten a lot more um, mod- into monsters and monster culture. And um, It's just, you know, once this another fan convention, and it's held in Louisville, Kentucky. The uh, old dark clubhouse is always there, and what that is is a, a room where um, some of the founding members of the uh, Rondo Awards always set up and they remove all the furniture and basically make, make, turn it into a big lounge for everyone to hang out in and they put monster posters all over the wall and usually decorate it uh, with a certain theme and uh, it's just a cool hangout lounge place um, and then the Rondo Awards are always held there 
so they actually give out the little statues there for whoever's uh, whoever's present, you know. And it's it's a really really good. It's one of the up and coming conventions. I hear nothing but raised you know reviews afterwards. I think uh, the southern hospitality and friendliness of all the uh, guests and and staff of, uh, of the staff and the people putting on the convention really are what uh, went over people who who attend. You know. And that's that's a once a year event. Yeah, once a year event. What time? Mm-hmm. What time of year does that usually take place? Usually around Memorial Day. Um, I'm not exactly sure the weekend uh, this year, but it's it's somewhere right around there. All right. Are there any other events that you get behind throughout the year? Yeah, there's a number of them. We were, um, you know, we we used to make appearances at at local uh, some of the local places around town. Like this year, the library asked me. Come host a movie. I hosted the Ghost of Mystic Chicken there. Um, I just got a call this week from the National Opera, and that this coming Sunday they're showing um, um, the ha- the House of Usher with music by Philip Glass, and they asked me to come out on Sunday and to help. Uh, they're having a costume contest. Not exactly <laughs> sure how this ties into the House of Usher, but they're encouraging people to come dressed as zombies. Huh. I don't know where the zombies coming to Usher, but I said, sure, I'll come out. And they asked me to come out and, and judge the contest. So I'll be at the Tuesday Performing Arts Center this Sunday judging zombies. And then every year, you know, there's always stuff like that going on. We've been out to the zoo, we've been to the library, we've been you know, different places. But um, one yearly event that I do is called the Horror Hoot Nanny here in town. And that's something that, that started as a fundraiser for my show, but has just become a yearly event where I host, like, uh, four or five bands usually. Uh, sometimes we even had a uh, side show performance there one year, and it's always at a local club, uh, and it, it's just a, a, a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> How many years have you been doing that? This was the sixth year. Sixth year. year. Yeah. So you bring all these bands out, but you're also a musician, right? Well, I sing. <laughs> you sing, yeah. So, well, what's, yeah. The, what's the name of your band? My band's called Spook Hand. <laughs> uh, like a spooky hand. Uh, that's actually where the name came from. My oldest son, when he was little, had a nightmare and kind of calmed down. They asked him what was going on. He said, a spook hand is waving at me out of the closet. <laughs> so we're like, wow, oh, that's a great name. <laughs> Earlier you were talking about uh, public service announcements that you've done. Um, what are those all about, and how did you get involved with that? That's something we just decided to do for the station. We uh, noticed they were running these public service announcements, and we thought, well, we should you know, do some of those. The station uh, manager, Michael Hook, our program director, really encouraged us to do it. He, he uh, said, you know, you guys should do some of those. So we did, and they air on Saturdays during the kids programming. So, um, you know, we've done a, a number of them on seatbelt safety and, and anti-littering campaigns. Um, did one about wearing sunscreen where we had a, a mummy that was going out in the sun. Actually, he was chasing a woman, going to kill her, and by gangrene stepped in, so you think he's going to stop the mummy from killing the girl? He, no, no, he's concerned that the mummy's not put sunscreen on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did one about picking up your dog poo where we had a werewolf running around in the uh, uh, in the park, and Dr. Gangrene says, you know, you should clean up after your pet, and he's got a bag, and our, the punchline for that one was, it's not what you don't do, it's what you do do so i got to say do do on <laughs> the airways it was pretty cool 
So the public service announcements run during children's television on Saturdays, but people can also see them online, right? They can. They're on my website or they're on YouTube. If you just, uh, just type in Dr. Gangley and TSA, I think all of them are on there. I know the last couple were, but no, I'm pretty sure they're all on there. Do you have any of the episodes of your shows archived anywhere? I've got them all on tape or DVD here at the house. Um, I was selling DVDs of the old stuff, and I have stopped because I want to put together a nice definitive collection. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I really, that's something I was just talking to my director about today, uh, future plans for the show, and that, that is definitely high up on my list, putting out a, a real honest-to-goodness collection of, of the old stuff because I get asked about it a lot. Um, you know, some of the early material was pretty amateur in in one sense that we were sort of learning our craft and learning what we were doing but there was also a real sense of energy about it just like when you whenever you start any new endeavor you know you're excited about it so it's kind of fun to watch the progression of the show from the early days to the little bit more polished later stuff you know so yeah hopefully that's something that we'll get to hopefully sometime soon i wouldn't mind seeing some of that stuff I hope to also put a little bit more up on YouTube and, and on my website because there, there's a few clips up now, but um, I definitely will, and, and I will definitely get some, some stuff available this year for sure, you know, over the next year. So hopefully by this time next year, there'll be some Dr. Gang Green DVDs floating around. Just in time for the holiday season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been in a couple other films too. Uh, what can you tell us about those? A couple of independent um, local things. Um, I've got to do some makeup in one. Um, a local director named George Demick has a movie called Demon Sight, where I played the, the demon lord at Zorko. Um It was about a four-hour makeup job on that one. So it was kind of cool, the full head prosthetic and everything. Um, so I've been in a few other little local things. And then in a, you know, the documentary American Theory, I guess, is the best-known um, Thing that I've been in, the, mm-hmm. the documentary about Harhos, which is really good. If any of your viewers out there haven't seen it, you should, you should definitely look that up. Uh, American series, really informative and pretty well done. Yeah, we actually had the uh, the director Sandy Clark here on the show. Yeah, Sandy's a good guy, and John Hudgens is the other guy that, that uh, he's a Tennessean. He's up in Knoxville. I got to ask you, what's your what's your take on horror classics versus the new horror? Horror classics versus the new horror. Um, you know, I can kind of, I see the merits of both, uh, of, the, of the new horror, you know, the direction it's going, of course. I don't want to be one of these guys that's, uh, you know, the old fogey that, that just refuses to watch anything new. But at the same time, I really, really appreciate the classics, you know. I mean, I'm not such a remake buff, but if it's done well, my big, my big thing is uh, if you're going to do a remake of a movie, pick a movie that's not just, you know, an, an A-plus movie to begin with. I mean, don't remake Psycho for crying out loud. You know, there's no point in it. You're not yeah. going to improve on the original. Pick a movie that, you know, close. A movie that was done pretty well but sort of fell short for budgetary reasons or lack of, of technology, you know, something that it makes sense to sort of do a modern retelling of it. Those, I think, are the best remakes. And you can kind of do your own spin on it, but um, but there's been some really good movies come out in the last ten years. I really uh, enjoyed Drag Me to Hell. I thought that was a great, great movie. 
and Zombieland, fantastic. My favorite movies are, are uh, horror films with a sense of humor. That's mm-hmm. absolutely my favorite. Mine as well. Yeah, yeah. You can't beat that. <laughs> Return of the Living Dead probably being my all-time favorite, I guess. Creature Feature can be seen on Saturday afternoons from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. on Nashville CW58. Mm-hmm. If people yeah. want to check out your website, what is that website? Well, the website is drgangreen.com. Uh, killercinema.com will also get you there. And the show right now is kind of on in fits and spurts. Um, we just had a, a back of films that ran over the October season for for, uh, for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And so right now we're sort of putting together some new ones. Not exactly sure when they'll be back on, but I'll post all the info on the website when the next uh, broadcast dates are, you know, when soon we figure it out. Okay, so that's drgangreen.com or chillercinema.com. Yeah, and chillercinema.com also. They both point to the same place. Um, and then, of course, my blog. You can get my blog from there. It's drgangreenblogspot.com. Um, and um, YouTube channel and MySpace and Facebook, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's all. There's links to all that off the website. But, yeah, drgangreen.com. Well, it seems like you're everywhere. Is there anything you'd like to add tonight, Larry? I just appreciate you uh, having me on. I hope everybody out there had a had a fun Halloween. Seemed like it came and went too fast, as always. Yeah, definitely. But it's 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 right around the corner, you know. Time flies yeah. these days. Every year, I have all these plans for things I want to do. You know, movies I want to watch, things I want to build out in the yard for the trick or treaters, and it just seems like I never can get it all done. All right, Larry, I want to thank you for uh, stepping into the graveyard tonight. It was a very enjoyable interview, and you have a good night. Thanks. You too. Thank you again, Larry, for stepping into the graveyard. Once again, you can check out Dr. Gangrene and Creature Feature on Nashville's CW58 and visit him on the website at chillercinema.com. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening to the podcast. Now, as we close down the graveyard, I'd like to remind you, as you exit, please lock the gate behind you. We wouldn't want anyone to get out. Until next time. The Graveyard Show Podcast is a proud sponsor of the 2009 Viscera Film Festival, which celebrates and promotes progressive women filmmakers in the horror genre. Viscera is now accepting films in two categories, women-directed slash produced films and women-only productions. Submissions are open until December 31st, 2009. To find out more about the Viscera Film Festival, go to thechainsawmafia.com slash viscera for details. Good evening, friends of the undead. This is the Deacon of Darkness, the posthumous pimp, Freak Show. And I am the diva of dismemberment, mistress of the blade, June the Meat Cleaver. Myself, along with the Harlots of Horror, host the online video podcast, Bordello of Horror. 
Check out all the twisted fun with featured films, news, interviews, reviews, and more. I personally dare you to step into the bordello at madisonhorror.com. That's madisonhorror.com? Madisonhorror.com. Hurry, hurry. Step right up. The most amazing tales appear before your very eyes. Gathered from the four corners of Earth and brought here to you at 19 Nocturne Boulevard. See the famous man-eating book of Sumatra. <laughs> or a phantom direct from merry old England. <laughs> or aliens from beyond the star. Even such as these cannot withstand our platinum death ray. Yes, our platinum death ray. All these and more spread out before you. And all we ask is a moment of your time. Spin the wheel and take a chance. Try your luck. www.19nocturneboulevard.net interviews, news, conventions, and independent horror films. Hosted by Miss Misery. Follow her journey through the horror genre as we discover the inner workings of the horror world. Visit thelastdoorwayshow.com This is Ken Forey. Just want to tell you about Mail Order Zombie. Great company. They review zombie films, any zombie film, every zombie film. And it's uh, something you should tune into. So if you get a chance, go to the website, look these guys up, Mail Order Zombie, and find out what the hot zombie films are today. What's going on? These guys are right on the the cutting edge of uh, reviewing zombie movies. And if you're a zombie, or you want to be a zombie, or you're thinking about being a zombie, or your mom's a zombie, your dad's a zombie, your damn mother-in-law's a zombie, tune into Mail Order Zombie, baby. You'll find out what's going on. Ken Forey, and that's out. (laughs) 